Alright, uh, let's get started. This is my strange addiction. Um, my name's Kurt. Welcome. Thanks for coming back. If you, unless you didn't go to this elective last time and you're just like skipping to go and change electives, which we don't encourage, but I guess welcome or whatever. But um, hey, uh, let me pray for us. I almost ran over last time, so I know that I've got more material than I have time. So let's uh, let's pray. Lord, we lift up these next few minutes to you, that they would be for your glory and our good, and that we would see our sin, and that we would also see our Savior. We pray all this in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen. Alright, uh, last, yesterday we, uh, we talked about smartphones, and we talked about how they were new, that they seemed to solve a lot of problems, but that the use or overuse of them isn't quite apparent yet. And then we also talked about addiction, and specifically behavioral addiction and classical conditioning, and how uh, we are classically conditioning ourselves to do uh, certain things when it comes to these phones. So, for today, what I want to do is I want to talk about, um, um, thank you, hey, that, the stopper on the bottom, you might have to, I don't know, sometimes it's dead. Alright, so, uh, today what I want to do is I want to talk about three ways in which our phones are changing us, in which they're having an effect on us, okay? And look, I should say this at the beginning, but I'll just say it now, in case there's one of these kind of people in there. There are no original thoughts here, okay? None of this is my work. I taught a Sunday school class for our entire church. There are like 700 people or 900 people. I don't know. I'm really bad at estimating, so I don't know how many people were there. There were eight or there were 800. It's tough for me to tell the difference. But uh, there were, our, whole, our whole church came. I read a bunch of books about this. All these ideas are other people's ideas that I read. So if you're one of those plagiarism people who is like, those weren't really your ideas... I'm going to give all the credit at the end, okay? Tony Reinke and you know Adam Alter and uh, Andy Crouch, they couldn't come teach us elective. They had to stick with me. So anyway, just throw that out there right at the bat, off the bat because some people, are, um, some people don't understand the difference between study and plagiarism. I don't, anyway. All right, moving on. Uh, these are mostly, what we're going to talk about today mostly comes from Tony Reinke's book, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. Um, so these are 12 ways in which our phones, well, we're not going to do 12, we're going to do three of them. Three ways in which our phones affect us. And the first one is that we are addicted to distraction. That we're addicted to distraction. That we are all, all the time looking for something to distract us. All right, And we need to say this right off the bat, okay? Um, we do this three ways. We, our phones help us keep our work away. Our phones help us keep uh, people away. And our phone ha- phones help us keep eternity away. And we're going to talk about what each one of those things mean. So first and foremost, our phones help to keep our work away. And this is something that we have always done. This is not a new thing. Um, but phones enhance and enable our ability to distract ourselves from our work. Procrastination existed long before mobile phones did. Um, I procrastinated. My dad procrastinated. My, I'm sure my granddad procrastinated. Everyone procrastinates, okay? It's to some degree or another. Um, and I remember how this worked out was, uh, one way in which this worked out in college is that uh, right before exams, for instance, one year right before exams, it seems like always during exams, right as exams were getting ready to begin, I would find something really cool that I was super interested in, okay? And I remember one year, and it, it's not even have to be technology, one year... Um, a guy handed me The Hobbit like two weeks before exams started and was like, hey, you like books? Check this book out. And I like immediately 
did poorly on my exams because I was all I was all with Bilbo and the and the, and the dwarves trying to. By the way, the book is way better than the movies. The movies are garbo. But um, the uh, I don't care if you disagree with me. This isn't for this is. I get to teach the elective, so I get to have all the opinions. That's how fun. That's why it's fun about this. Um, so. Uh, so anyway, read the books. Don't worry about the movies. The movies are whatever. And um, the movies are a money-making enterprise. And more power to them for making the money. But uh, all that to say is that I didn't do too well on my exams that year. And I remember when I finished the book, I was so mad. And I told my friend, I was like, oh, I love this book so much. I wish there was more of it. And he was like, well, let me tell you something. <laughs> there are three more of them. And I was like, what? And so then I didn't do... And that's what I did the rest of this, the summer. Um, was I, I, uh, I read those books while I was at Alpine. So... Um, we do this now, it's just that the phones enable and enhance our ability to do this. If you ever notice, there's like a schedule for when addictive games come out. Like, when it, like and I don't even mean good games, okay? I mean like, I, like, I'm talking about like Flappy Bird and Slither.io and all these time-wasting games. You will always see, they always get really popular in early December and in late April, early May. And why is that? It's because that's when the students who they're targeted at have to do exams and so therefore, they are ready to be distracted. And so they're looking for anything cool to find. I remember, I'll, full disclosure, okay? I was on Fortnite before anyone in this room. I can promise you that, okay? I have some friends who are deep in the video game industry and they were like, hey, Kurt, you need to try this out. This is going to be big. And so I, they say it's free, which that was like, for me, that was like, let's do it. And so like I was at like September, I was September of... Before any of you were playing Fortnite, I was on Fortnite, and everyone was garbage at Fortnite, by the way. Like, no one could build. Everyone was just like, like, people were building, like, a wall and be like, I'm, I'm a boss. Like, I'm so good. And, um, and it was so fun, by the way. That was when it was really fun. I got a solo win before any of my friends did, and they were like, this is unbelievable. You're amazing. I bush camped the entire time. It was complete luck. But, uh, so, um, and then, like, what happened, though? At Christmas, right, right when exams started, all of my students were like, Kurt, have you played Fortnite? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure, I'll try it out. What's it like? Or whatever. And they're like, you're a god at Fortnite. And we're like, you must be some kind of genius. No, I've just been playing for two months and you haven't been, right? And it was awesome. And then they all got really good because they have the time to get good. And they all can beat me now and it stinks. But um, the point is this, is that when did it get super popular? It got super popular when we had the most work to do. When students had the most work to do, that's when it exploded. Was that Christmas? It was two Christmases ago. And I remember it just distinctly, right? Because we want to keep work away. And we're looking for anything. When we have deadlines or laundry piles or things to do, we're looking for anything to distract us. And what this thing is so good at is providing that anything. That's what it does. It provides that anything. It, it provides it, alright? So when life is demanding, anything to we'll take anything to distract us. Anything we'll do. And this thing is very good at, at providing that distraction. So we use this to keep work away, alright? The second thing that we do is we use this to keep, try not to be too impressed with my slides and how cool the transitions are. Um, but, uh, but we do it to keep people away too, okay? So, and this is a little more of a nefarious thing, alright? First of all, we're made to work and we shouldn't be putting work off. God made us to create um, because we're made in His image. But, um, and work gets a bad rap. Good work is fulfilling work and it's fun and it's, in, in, and it's fun getting tired doing that kind of work. Uh, 
Secondly, we use these things to keep people away. And again, this is something that we were already doing, but the phone just makes it, it enhances and enables our ability to do these things, okay? It's to keep people away. I'll show you an example of how you can do this. Let's say that you're walking into a store. Let's say that you're me and you're walking into uh, Target in Montgomery. And um, some of you live in towns that don't have Targets. And for you, I'll have to say, I'm sorry. Um, it's amazing. Um, so, But uh, you should try to get one. Uh, but... You're walking into Target and you see, uh, you see, you know you're going to see someone, that you, but you're in a hurry, all right? And so what can you do to keep someone from bothering you? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can just walk around like this, okay? Just walk around like this and every once in a while just go, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Everyone will assume you're on the phone, all right? Have I done this? Have I not done this? Who can say? Um, <laughs> who can say whether I've done it or not? I absolutely have. And um, why do I do that? It's to keep people away. Maybe you don't do it like that, okay? Maybe you do it like this. I, this is what I see with my students, all right? Is what they'll do is, is if something is awkward at all, okay? If there's any kind of cringy or awkward moment, they will all look at each other, and if they can't look at each other to laugh about it, then they'll just get their phones out and look at their phones. It's just because they, what they've got to do is they've got to use this as kind of like a shield to keep awkwardness and cringiness away, or to keep boring people away. You know, what's worse than hating someone? What's up? What's up? What'd you say? What'd you say? Who said apathy? Did someone say that? That's right. Well, the only thing worse than hate is apathy, right? Because like, hate involves, I have to work to hate you, right? Like, we think, in many ways, we think the biggest problem in this world today is like, people hating each other. It's not. The biggest problem for us as Christians is that we don't, don't care at all. We don't even care enough to hate someone. We just totally apathetic toward them. And this is what we do. If someone is boring and we, or we don't care about them, then we use this little shield. We get this little shield, we put it up, and then we don't have to deal with them because there's something important going on here. Right? It's a tiny little shield to remind people that we're more important. It's a constant reminder that something better might come along. Sometimes I meet students, right? I meet them for breakfast. We meet at this place called Chappie's. It's a mediocre place to eat, but it has a pretty good breakfast. Um, would you say, is that fair, Owen? Is that fair? Yeah. So um, it's in Montgomery. And I'll just use Owen as an example because he's with my group. And I've never met Owen for breakfast because he actually doesn't live in Montgomery. But anyway, um, but like if I was going to meet Owen for breakfast, like what I do now is that I set my phone face down in the booth, all right? where I can't feel it, all right? But what, what I used to do, and what lots of people do, is they sit down to like meet someone, and they set their phone face up on the table. And they're like, Owen. Oh, man, I almost sat on the recorder. I don't know what that's going to do to it. Um, they're like, Owen, how's it going? All right, but what I've done by sitting this thing face up right here is I've told Owen something. What have I told him without telling him? I've told him this. Hey, I care about you, but I'm an important person. And there are a lot of things that I care about. And I, there are a lot of things I care about more than I care about you. And if any of those things, you know, come up, then you're going to take a back seat real quick, right? I've put him in his place, right? We do this all the time, implicitly. Does that feel good? Does it feel good, Owen? No, it doesn't feel very good, does it? Um, we do it all the time. We use this as a shield, all right? We use this as a shield to keep people away. And this is so important for us because we believe this is reformed university, I mean, whoops, this is reformed youth ministries. And we be, reformed, which means we believe that God is sovereign, right? And we believe that, uh, that God is like placing people in our context. That we believe that God has 
I hate to use this term because I feel like it's overused, but we feel like there are divine appointments, like that God has put people into our context for a reason. And I truly believe this, that wherever you are, that God has put you there for a purpose, okay? And you might think that that place where you've been put is not that great, but guess what? You can get in line with all the prophets and a lot of other people too because they didn't think that either. I mean, they thought the same thing, all right? But listen, okay, God has put you there. And what this enables you to do, like Jonah, is to run directly away from where God wants you to be and to try to go somewhere where you think you ought to be. That's what Jonah did, right? Jonah was like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't like those people. I want to go, I'm going to go the opposite way, right? I'm going to go to Tarshish. You know, I'm going to go the opposite way. This is what we're doing. This is what this is our little Tarshish ship right here. And God needs to wreck it, all right? Um, but we're using this to say, I don't belong here or I'm better than this. We use it to keep people away. And lastly, we use it to keep eternity away. Okay? Now, don't mistake what I'm saying here, okay? I am not saying that you can make your life last longer, that you can make heaven, keep heaven or hell away from uh, with a phone. That's not at all what I'm saying. You, that's an impossible and futile task, but a futile task. But um, by the way, I, I serve in a church where, off the top of my head, there are at least six families in our church that have buried a teenager. Okay, at least six. And it may be more than that. But just off the top of my head, there's six families in our church that have buried a teenager. So don't... I know you think you're going to live forever. The Lord laughs at your plans. Okay? The Lord... So, and you should take that seriously. Alright? You should take that seriously. But what I mean when I say keep eternity away is I mean the phone enables us to keep the thoughts of eternity away. Thinking about heaven and hell and God and eternal things... And a phone enables and enhances us to think about ephemeral, momentary, instant things that will pass very quickly. Right? I'll tell you something about my own college experience. When I was in college, sometimes I just couldn't sleep. And maybe you've had nights like this. Where like it's 2 a.m. and you're like, I should really be asleep right now, but I'm not tired at all. And no one's up to talk. Like, there's nothing to do. Some of you are not going to know what this feels like because of the phone. But like, there's nothing to really do. And in some of those nights, what I would do, not every night, sometimes I would like, you know, fire up the PlayStation or I don't know, do whatever. But like, but most of the time, I would just sit there and I would think about my life. I just think about my life. I think about um, who I was or who I thought I was and what I was going to be or what I was going to do. I would, I would think about God and whether I was really a Christian or what I really believed. And um, I would think about how hypocritical I am. And, you know, I would beat myself up some. And, um, you know, and sometimes I would just read my Bible. And I remember one specific night I read the, both Corinthians. I read First and Second Corinthians. And then there was another night where I just really couldn't sleep and I reread a book uh, called Mere Christianity that just spoke to me. It's by C.S. Lewis. Um, it's spoken to a lot of people. I'm not special in that regard. But um, I would just sit... I would just... And I would just... I was just in solitude. And I feel like the Lord... I mean, I thought those were very important nights for me. At the time, I was like, well, I just can't sleep. I had, like, Mexican food late or something. You know what I mean? But, like... I feel like the Lord like really spoke to me in those times. Now, 0.0% of those times would have, occur- would have occurred if I'd have had this. Right? I didn't have this. I, would have, I, I have a great advantage over you 
which is this, is that I got to be alone with God and with myself because I couldn't scroll through Instagram or check Twitter or Snapchat or read articles or whatever. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I didn't have it and I couldn't do it. And so therefore I was alone with God. Now, that is a problem, okay? That's a serious problem for us because not only... Look, everyone would say, yeah, it's important for us to be alone with God. Like, I can still be alone with God with my, you know, like, in this era or whatever. Sure. Okay, fair enough. But how important is it? It's so important that Jesus did it. It's so important that Jesus took time to separate himself from his disciples and to be alone with God. And if there's one thing I'm really comfortable saying is this, is that I'm not better than Jesus. And Jesus needed to do that. And so therefore, I probably need to do it. And if, I, if Jesus needs to do it, and I need to do it, and, you know, and all the other Christians that came before me need to do it, then quite possibly you're going to need to do it too. And this is the ironic thing about your generation, guys. And listen, when I say I don't envy, envy you, I do not. I do not want to be any younger than I am. I feel like being born in 1980 was the best thing ever. Um, I feel sorry for everyone born afterwards. Um, and before, for that matter. Uh, but... This is like this ironic thing, situation that you guys are in, is that solitude just found me. Like, I I didn't have to go looking for solitude, it just found me. And I had to go looking for pornography, right? And the exact opposite is true for you. Pornography is coming to find you, okay? Trust me, it is coming to find you, and you're going to have to go find solitude. It's not, you're not going to fall into it like I did. In many ways, my generation is so much more blessed than your generation, right? Because, because it's so hard to have solitude when people are constantly pinging you on this, right? When there's always a distraction to have. We're never alone with God. In fact, we're never alone when we're alone. We're always connected. And this is the mo- even more ironic thing, is that even when we're in public... We're, we're alone. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. But I want to, let's, uh, first of all, I want to let Peter Kreef talk. This is a guy, he's really uh, quoting Pascal, who's a dead Frenchman, but don't worry about that. Um, he's not, well, he's paraphrasing him. He says this, and if you don't understand this quote right off the bat, if you're in middle school and you don't understand this quote, I'm going to explain it, so don't worry. There's some big words in here. We run away like conscientious little bugs, scared rabbits, dancing attendants to our liking, sharing, anything. We think we want peace and silence and freedom and leisure, but deep down we know that this would be unendurable to us. We want to complexify our lives. We don't have to. We want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very thing we complain about. For if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the great gaping hole in our hearts and be terrified because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. What is he saying there? He's saying this, that we are actively running away from solitude, that we're actively making our lives busier, that we're purposely doing this to ourselves so we don't have to confront the fact that we are so messed up inside and there is a deep, dark hole in every one of us and that only God can fill that hole. And so we'll look for anything to keep our mind off that. You know everyone here is going to die, right? This is, you know that, right? That in a hundred years we're going to have RYM and none of you will be here, right? Every one of you will be dead and many of your children too, right? But we, we don't think about that every day, do we? We push that thought out of our minds, even though it is more real than any thought that we could have. What you think about that? That's what Peter Kreeft is talking about. So we're addicted to distraction. And hold on, let's go back real quick. 
I just gave it away. But who in here knows who the, what the top two commandments are according to Jesus Christ? The top two commandments. Can you give me one of them? Go. Okay, that's number two. That's good. That's good. We're counting up. All right, does anyone know what number one is? Yeah, I see you with your shooting sleeve on. What? With all your, with, yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Alright, that's number one. Yeah, give it up. Mm. Love the Lord your God. Hear, O Israel. This is Jesus. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I just want to point something out to you, okay? Is that, what, why this commandment just cuts to the very heart of your generation and of our time right now is because of this little word right here, this little three-letter word, the three-letter word, all. Alright? Because it's very hard to follow what Jesus says is the greatest commandment in Scripture. It's very hard for us to follow it because we are not giving our all to anything. We are constantly distracted. We are constantly, constantly not giving our all. Would you like to see what giving our all looks like? Okay, would you like to, oh, practically what it looks like? I'm going to teach you how to listen really quick. I did not plan to do this, but I'm just going to do it anyway because I feel like I want to. Um, I'm just letting the spirit move right now. I know Evan, so I'm going to do this to Evan, okay? I want to show you what it looks like to give all of my attention to Evan. It's really simple. I'm going to teach you how to do this, and then you'll be able to do it, okay? Look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to face Evan. I'm going to face forward, okay? F face forward. The second thing to do is I'm going to slightly incline myself toward him. And what this does is this is a nonverbal cue that lets him know that I care what's going on. The second thing is, is I'm not going to be distracted by all of you looking at me or anything else. I'm just going to look at Evan. And the third thing, that's in, no distractions. And the fourth thing is I'm going to maintain eye contact with Evan. Alright? Now listen, with my body, I have just told Evan that I care what's going on about him. I'm giving him all of my attention. Okay? All of it. Alright? This is what it looks like to listen. I'm not paying attention to my phone. I'm not paying attention to anything else. Hey, have you ever done that? Have you ever given someone all of your attention? God says we have to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. It takes work to do that. Okay? I had to try to do that. I didn't just slip and fall into giving Evan all my attention. It was a purposeful act. Alright? And if we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we're going to need to cut out distractions. It's going to be a purposeful act. Alright, let's move on. The second thing, the way that our phone is changing us, is that our phones are changing us so that we ignore flesh and blood. We ignore our own flesh and blood. And the most obvious example of this is texting and driving. And I know that people in middle school can't drive, but you will drive soon. And you've got to witness a lot of people drive. And I want to tell you something about texting and driving. Nothing highlights this truth more. Okay? When you're driving, you're in a 1,500 to 2,500 pound bullet. Okay? That's what you are in. You're, you're commanding a 1,500 to 2,500 pound bullet. Alright? And you are matriculating along the road however fast you're going. Can I just tell you something, by the way? It's like, if you have a head-on collision and both cars are going like 35, you're both dead. Okay? Like, you're both dead. Um, I don't care if you got airbags. Don't let that fool you. <laughs> the airbag will just keep your corpse looking 
mildly okay, all right? Like, you're done, all right? And why don't you think about this for a second, is that you're traveling down with your car going 60 or 70, all right? And, you're, and, and coming this way is another bullet, all right, with someone else in it. And like, what is separating you? An idea is what is separating you. A concept, nothing real. Two yellow pieces of paint, okay, is the only thing that's separating two bullets as they pass each other, all right? And that's an absolutely horrifying concept that we have to assume in order to drive on the road, okay? It's an assumption that you have to make is that people will follow the rules. But in reality, you're driving your bullet and they're driving their bullet and you're going to pass within inches of each other and the only thing that's separating you is is a concept. It's an idea. It's an agreement that you don't even know that they honor, all right? It's really scary to think about. And in that moment, when those two bullets pass each other, right? Like right in that split second where they pass each other, where driver's side and driver's side pass each other, Right? That person is as close to you as any person in the world in proximity. There's no one closer. Right? Some of you are going to be like, well, there could be someone in the passenger seat and they technically could be closer. And what I have to say to you is, quit ruining my illustration. All right? This is my illustration and there's no one in the car. Okay? So you're passing. You're as close as you can be. You hold each other's lives in your hands. This person is the closest person to you in proximity. They also are holding your life in their hand. And you're going to ignore them for someone's cat video. You're going to ignore them so you can finish that pizza order. Or you're going to ignore them so you can upgrade your town hall. You're holding their life in your hand and you're ignoring them. This is what we do all the time. This is what we do all the time. Not just when we're in our cars is that we ignore the very people that God has put in front of us for people who may or may not be here or could be anywhere. Right? We ignore flesh and blood. We don't make eye contact. We, don't, we ignore the people that God's put in our, plan, in our path so that we can be in contact with people who could be hundreds of miles away. And look, those people could be your family. But in that moment, God's put these people in front of you and you've chosen to ignore them. The other thing is that because we, because we prefer and because we do mediated communication, that means there's something between me and the person I'm talking to. In this instance, it's the phone. Is that our anger goes viral. They've, they've done study after study. This is without, there's no way to refute this in any way. Is that the number one thing that goes viral online is anger. Is that when people post angry things, other people retweet them, share them, like them. That's what happens. You can do hashtag positive, hashtag stay blessed. Like you can do those posts all day long and those will get so many shares and so many likes. But the minute that you do something angry, the minute that you're like, this guy backed into a parking spot and everyone who backs into a parking spot deserves the death penalty. That thing will get shared so many times. People love that stuff. They love to get angry, vicariously angry. Our lives are so good that we have to outsource our anger to other people. That's the truth about Americans. Is that everything is so good here right now. It's so, like everything is so easy that we have to find something to get angry about. And so we get angry vicariously through other people. We're texting and driving as we're liking posts about how mad people are about texting and driving. That's where we are in the world today. Okay? Now why is that important? Oh, by the way, I, I did a Google search of an image of texting and driving, and I want to show you something. I love to do this sometimes, like to just like 
image search, like a really basic concept or whatever, and see what comes up. Like this picture is as fake as any picture can get. This guy's supposed to be texting and driving, right? Hey, guess what? You're going zero miles an hour. I can see it right there. You're just sitting in a car and then you photoshopped a blurry picture. Alright? Don't Google trying to fool me. No, it will never happen. Alright? Zero. They didn't even take the time to photoshop the miles per hour. That's how lazy that photoshop is, okay? That is a lazy photoshop. Alright. That's all I wanted to say about that. That has nothing to do with this lesson. Don't, if you're going to Photoshop, go all the way. Alright? What does the Bible say though? Here, here's where I want to contrast with the Bible what, what God's Word has to say about mediated, unmediated communication. I want you to look at something. First of all, this passage, 1 John 4.20, it reads a whole different way now in this age. And particularly as it pertains to what we were just talking about. Listen to this. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Think about that passage in the context in which we're talking about. That it's impossible to, to love anyone who is not around if you can't love the people who are around. That you are a liar if you say you love someone who's not here if you can't love someone who's here. Think about that principle as it applies to phones. But really, this is also John. This is 2 John 12. Look what he says. He says, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. That's like you know, his version of texting. Instead, I hope to come to you and to talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. And i got two more passages. These are, from, these are from Paul. First in Romans. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. And 2 Timothy 1.4, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. Do you see what emotion the Scripture ties with face-to-face communication? What is it? Joy. Three times, and those are not the only three times. Those are just the three that I chose. Alright? Over and over again, the Scripture says that true joy comes from community, face-to-face community. That's why God gave us the church, by the way. I know some of you, you have to go to church. Maybe you're a pastor's kid and you're like, you don't even understand, Kurt. I've been to church so many times. Well, I'm a pastor, so I've been to church just as many times. uh, But like, And my kids, I'm sure, will say the same thing. But like, why why did God give us the church? He gave us the church so that we might have a a face-to-face communion with those who are also resting and trusting in Christ alone. It's how we are to receive Christian joy. It is the exact mode through which we receive joy. Is that Christ gave us the church as a vehicle for joy in our lives. And I know for some of you, you think church is a job or church is a chore or whatever. And I'm sorry about that, but that's not how it was designed. Alright? You're designed to know the people that you worship with. This is why you should never go to a satellite church. And this might get me in trouble. And you know what? I'm ready for this argument. So you just bring it, okay? If you can't shake, if you can't shake the pastor's hand at the end of church, get out of that church, all right? If they're at a screen somewhere else, you, I'm, 
I, you know how some people are just ready? Like, I just, I can't wait for someone to be like, you know what, I think satellite church is the future. I'm just ready to just punch them right in the face for Jesus. Punch them in the face for Jesus. But, no, to verbally assault them, like, in such a way, I'm, I'm so triggered by people who think that's a good way to do church. Because God has said that face-to-face communication is the source of our joy. In fact, what does Jesus do for us? It's not, now we see through a mirror dimly, but then we will see face-to-face. Where there will be no mediator between God and man, but God will dwell with His people. The exact idea of heaven is built on the fact that we would be in face-to-face communication with God. Right? And yet, we prefer, we're, we're training ourselves to prefer mediated communication. It's a conversation worth having. Alright? Just one last thing. This is from uh, The Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, one of those ten movies they made. Um, and uh, uh, my favorite person in this photo is uh, this guy right here um, because he can't get his phone to work right. And uh, he's like, everyone's trying to take video of Johnny Depp or whoever and he's like, probably like accidentally like sent a text or it triggered Siri in some way. And he's, look how mad he is. He's just like, so mad. But what I want to show you is, I, want, I just want to show you something. And I think this is um, kind of cool. But do you see her? Do you see the only person in this photo who's really seen what she's seen? Everyone else is doing this. Everyone else is seeing. Everyone else is taking a video that no one else wants to see. No one wants to see your video of Johnny Depp. Okay? If you, no one does. They have like tons of video of him. Okay? Like high quality cinematography with Johnny Depp involved. And if you think we want to see your cell phone picture of Johnny Depp, we don't. Alright? Are you missing out on what's happening in real life because you're living your life through this? I want to tell you one more story. Worried about time, but I think we're doing we're we're doing better. Okay, I have a friend who I was in seminary with. He went to Ole Miss. I went to State. We didn't let that come between us too much. Um, and uh, and uh, he was telling me we were talking about the difference between how we grew up versus how you guys grow up, and about phones and about our college experiences and all that. And he said that he was in a group at RUF at Ole Miss. And that there was this guy who he didn't really know and his friends didn't really know. And they were, he and his friends were sitting there talking about going to a movie after RUF. And this guy was like, hey, I want to come. And he just kind of jumped in. And this guy, they knew that this guy kind of liked a girl in their group. And that was the real reason he was wanting to come. And they were like, ah. But, you know, they're Christians, so they have to, like, be welcoming and all that. So they did. Um, so they let him come. And... Uh, and he just kind of kept like tagging along with things. And the girl and him, it didn't work out, but that's okay. It rarely does. Um, but uh, Ben told me, he said, Kurt, if we had just had like group chat or like a group text or a snap group, like we would that guy would have never been a part of our group. He said, totally. He said, we, we wouldn't. We would have just, because we would have had that conversation online through our phones, and he would have never heard it, and he would have never known about it, and he never part of it. He goes, Kurt, that guy was in my wedding. He was one of my best friends in the world. He was a groomsman in my wedding. And I could have totally missed out on him. Have you ever thought about what you're missing out on? Because you're not present where you are? About the people that God might bring into your life, but you're willfully ignoring them? You're willfully ignoring them because you'd rather look at your phone and close your groups? Something to think about. All right, let's keep going. Third way, we crave immediate approval. We are we are designing our we are we are designing our society or our culture, and we're really engineering our own consciousnesses to um, 
to require and need immediate approval. Okay? And that is a problem for us for many reasons from Scripture, but first I want to talk about this girl. Okay? Now most of you probably don't know who she is. That's fine. Um, her name is Asina O'Neill, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, okay? Because she is living your dream, all right? She was living your dream, all right? Asina O'Neill, um, in 2013 or so, had 1 million Instagram followers, more than a million Instagram followers, more than a million followers to her YouTube channel, and more than a million followers on Twitter. And uh, Asina O'Neill. She was paid to Instagram. Companies, bathing suit companies, health companies, food companies, dress companies, they would pay her to post wearing their stuff or using her stuff or talking about their stuff. They paid her to Instagram. Okay? All, that's all she did. All right? She's a 19-year-old Australian who's pretty and she's paid to be on Instagram. And there are a lot of people in this room, whether they would admit it or not, who think like, man, that would be awesome if I could do that. Would you like to see what she really looks like? Um, I want to talk about this for a second. This is what she really looks like. This is the same girl. Okay. Now some of you are like, uh, Kurt, have you never heard of makeup? All the girls in here are like, uh, have you never heard of makeup? Is this some kind of mystery to you? First of all, I'm married to a woman, so yes, I know all about makeup and how it works. I want to say something. Very. This is a Cena O'Neill, and she's a pretty girl. Okay. And this is a Cena, this is fake Asina O'Neill. This is her avatar. Okay? This was on Instagram. She didn't put this on there until later. She, this, this went online until later. This is the real her. And what we are encouraged to do, okay? What we are encouraged to do because of the overuse of our phones is to create avatars. Have you seen the movie Avatar? It was overrated. I don't want to talk too much about it. But um, the papyrus font really got me. But... Uh, but it's a movie about having something that represents you that's not really you, right? And that's what your social media presence is. I don't know who you think you are, but I had a social media. I used to have an Instagram. And I didn't put pictures of me on there because he wants to see my ugly mug. Instead, I put my kids on there, right? Because my kids are super cute. But that's not a real picture of who my kids are. Because my kids disappoint me and I yell at my kids and I'm a bad father, okay? And because I sigh at them when they disappoint me and because they have dirty diapers and sometimes they wake up at 2 a.m. and need a glass of water, you know? And like... And there's all kinds of things, and potty training, and like all kinds of things that go on there, and spankings, and going to timeout, and throwing fits, and none of that is on my Instagram. None of it. All right, that's an avatar of my children, where they just seem precocious and happy all the time. It's not true. It's not real. Okay, just like this is not real. And you know what I love about Asina O'Neill? What I love about her is that she's she got rid of all of it. She deleted a million. She deleted a YouTube account that had a million followers. Do you know how much that's worth? Okay, she just deleted it. She didn't delete her Instagram. Instead, she just took all the or most of the pictures off, but she changed all the captions. Okay, this is what she had to say. All right, first of all, if only I could have been this articulate at 19 or 20. Being born into this screen-dominated age, we are taught to mold ourselves in order to gain the most social validation, likes, views, and followers. 
I was a living paradox of conditional self-love and constant self-hate. Listen to that again. I was a living paradox of conditional self-love and constant self-hate because my self-worth relied on social approval. Listen to her. She is awake. That's what happened to her is that she is awake now. And may God increase her tribe. Okay? There's a picture of her. She kept a picture of her in a swimsuit on her Instagram, but she changed the caption. And this is what the caption says. She says, Not real life. Took over a hundred in similar poses, trying to make my stomach look flat. I would have hardly eaten that day. I would have yelled at my little sister to keep taking them until I was somewhat proud of this. This is what it really looks like to, to go after people's approval. It's to yell at your little sister. To starve yourself. Okay, to make yourself miserable. Can, any wonder that she hated herself, right? She is awake. My prayer for you is that you would be awake. All right. The the what Asino O'Neill realized is what the scripture has been telling us for years. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day his plans perish. This is Jesus, my all-time favorite Jesus quotes, one of them. One of my all-time favorite Jesus quotes. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. Does everyone like you? Jesus has a word for you right here. It's not what you think. We crave immediate approval. We are encouraged to create avatars that are not the real us. And to, th- and to assume that that is the real us and this messed up person that's on the, in the background, the real Wizard of Oz behind the curtain is not real or is a jerk or is a loser. The other thing that we do because we crave immediate approval is that we're encouraged to make echo chambers. And I bet if I were to go onto your Snapchat groups, onto your group text, your group me's, whatever it is, I bet if I were to go there, I wonder, I wonder how many old people are in your group text. How many elderly people? How many like young children are in your group text? Like five-year-olds? Any of them? How many, how many people who are not from Western countries are in your group text? What about like cognitively disabled people? Are there any special needs people in your group text? See, what you do, this is a quote from Alistair Roberts, is that the elderly, the impoverished, the cognitively disabled, the young children, the less educated, the less literate, the less cosmopolitan, the non-Westerner, in effect, online communities render invisible the majority of the human race. In other words, what we do is we create these groups where everyone looks and acts and talks just like us and is from the same place as us. And that's a problem for us because the last thing that Jesus told us before He left was, hey, don't stay in the same place. In fact, many many biblical historians believe that God allowed the temple to be destroyed so that the Jewish people would get out of Jerusalem. All right? And they would take the, the Jewish Christians would take the gospel out of the world because He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And one thing that we do because we crave immediate approval is we just surround ourselves in an echo chamber. Do you know what does have elderly and young people and cognitively disabled people and, and less literate people? Do you know what does have those people? It's not any Snapchat group. You know what does have it? The church. The church has it. Which is the community that you were made for. The community that God has established. Alright? Not a fake community. Okay. Well, we are... We have three minutes left, so I got done in time. And so I'm going to ask uh, Jennings.
Would you pray for us? Yeah. Yeah, go for it.